Members of the TalkScript team were on site at JSConf US 2019, where we did a series of interviews with the conference speakers. We had a great time meeting these thought leaders and learning more about each of them and their talks. We've compiled the interviews into a six-part series to help share the essence of JSConf US 2019. This episode contains interviews with David Whitaker and Susie Grange around the theme of growth. All right, we are back on the TalkScript podcast. Uh, I'm Neil Roberts. I'm hosting with Anthony Ciccarello. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hi, I'm David Whitaker. I work at Qualcomm. I do tools using Node. Cool. And you just uh, gave a fun talk, fun in air quotes, <laughs> which I mean is still enjoyable, about an imposter syndrome. I used to be a math teacher, so I've thought about confidence quite a bit. And a lot of students, and I see this now in the tech world, that a lot of folks have a disconnect between their level of confidence and their actual level of competence. And when that happens, there's a possibility of feeling like an imposter. Mm-hmm. And so I thought about some ways to uh, help raise people's confidence and uh, overcome that. Cool. I think we can, maybe Anthony and I can talk about the things that stood out to us the most. For me, it was the way that you phrased it as the gap between what you know and what you think others know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, we often, especially in the tech world, we, we're bombarded with a lot of, of different uh, ideas. And as we learn more about technology, we start to feel like we know even less because mm-hmm. uh, the, the field keeps growing. So I think it, it's ripe opportunity for us to start comparing with each other and what's <laughs> out there and what we don't know. And, and I, I think it's okay not to know something. And I think that's where we have to embrace that feeling. Yeah, I, like uh, one of the things that not necessarily you said today, but uh, some that I'd heard previously is that everyone has the same amount of time as you do. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think it's kind of a different way of looking at mm-hmm. what you were saying, which is like, I think some people imagine that there are other people that spend every last minute perfecting everything that they do, learning everything that they can. And then you realize like, well, but they don't have any more time than I can. There's no way that they could be doing all of the things that I'm imagining that they're doing. Yeah. I mean, you've got, you've got the genius levels who certainly can absorb knowledge and, and process it much quicker than, than others. But for the most part, most normal folks like us, we're going to contain about the same information. And I think, as I said in the talk, I think what makes you valuable is your, the combination of the things that you know and your unique perspective. Yeah. Yeah, I thought one of the interesting parts of your talk where you, where you went through kind of the thinking and when you kind of have a certain amount of uneasiness and the, the two different ways for, to kind of respond to that mm-hmm. and how much I feel like that could be kind of cyclical in either in reinforcing that imposter syndrome or dismantling it. Yeah. So those with low self-confidence are, are going to feel like I'm a failure and I can't do this anymore and they start to shut down. And even successes, they start to say, oh, this is because of luck or something else. But with a higher confidence and a growth mindset, then we start to feel like, oh, I can do this. And, and failure means an op- another opportunity to learn. So it, the, the cycles are, are completely different. I think the key is just having that growth mindset. Yeah, like uh, you gave the example of as a kid saying, like, give me a piece of paper, I'm going to draw. Mm-hmm. And then as you get older, like, yeah, everyone has the ability to draw. It's not that I don't think I can draw. 
It's that I think that when I draw, I have to draw something amazing. It's mm -hmm. just the knowledge that you've gained that has made you less confident, not right. the act of doing the thing that you want to do. Yeah, and I think that's certainly true for, for starting out coding. You know, and mm -hmm. people, I, I don't know it all, therefore I can't even start coding. <laughs> and, and, you know, you just have to create a hello world and, and start moving forward and have some goals. And, yeah, I think if you're getting into app development, just starting an app and starting with something simple and, and just getting it out there iterating on that is very helpful yeah even just like opening the console and just playing around absolutely right like the the that that whole like first principles play mm -hmm. seems like a good a good starting point the fact that you know what other people know like dismissing that and then saying like well what does that leave me with right i mean i have i have a, a random folder where i just have a bunch of different JavaScript test files where I'm like, well, how do I split an? What if I split an array and map? A, what can I do it this way and just write this really quick function and see if it'll work? And then if I get it to work right, then I bring it into my big project. Yeah. So I think it's it's important to experiment and play. One thing I noticed at the end is you you talked about for both leaders and for more up and coming developers how to both take praise and and. And also for, for leaders, you talked about how to reciprocate that. Mm -hmm. And so one thing that stood out to me is I know that a lot of times being able to accept um, the compliments of someone else is is something we, we don't always learn. And, and so I was wondering, like, for, for those who are a leader, how do you both be able to bounce back compliments and also show that how to accept those? You know, I, I think as you start to genuinely understand that this person deserves praise, you'll also understand that you yourself will genuinely accept that praise and deserve that praise. I think it's important to also mentor other people, someone at your peer level, and talk about honestly about your feelings about those kinds of things. Like someone said something, do you think that's true? And, and if they say yes and you really trust them, I think that'll help overcome that feeling of, oh, well, maybe that compliment was really genuine and I deserve that. Mm -hmm. I use the word internalize. Maybe that's the best way to say it. Mm -hmm. Internalizing what you're feeling when you give someone a compliment and then saying like, well, maybe that's why people feel when they give me a compliment. Right. <laughs> yep, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And I, I, I heard another thing um, that I thought was neat is, you know, if you think back to your little self and what would your little self think of where you are now? Mm -hmm. And I, you, know, you may think, well, I don't belong and I really haven't done much with my life. But then if you look back at your, your little self and say, wow, that little self would really say, you've really made it. You <laughs> yeah. know? You've done some great things that I, I'm really proud of. So. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's just hard to take a break and remind yourself to do <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> I, and I think that's, that's why in the talk I uh, recommended some journaling because mm -hmm. I think it's important to do some introspection and just stop every once in a while and think about where am I, what am I about to do, why do I feel this way, and, and how can I maybe embrace a, a more growth mindset. And you have like a worksheet, right, that goes along with it? I do, mm -hmm. yeah. It's uh, tinyurl.com slash growth mindset worksheet. Cool. I'll put that in the show notes. All right, cool. For sure. So then uh, one of the other interesting bits for me was uh, you had the perfectionistic expert, natural genius, soloist, and superhuman. Mm -hmm. Can you kind of talk about where those came from and, and how those break down? Yeah. And then maybe Anthony and I can self-diagnose ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> those come from a, a book that Dr. Valerie Young created, trying to think about how imposter syndrome sort of manifests itself in different competency types is what she called it. 
And so the perfectionist always thinks like, uh, I have to be perfect at everything. And of course that's impossible to get to. And so they always feel like they're incompetent because they keep setting the bar higher. Even if they reach where they think they should be, they, they set the bar even mm-hmm. higher so that that doesn't happen. Someone who's an expert or feels like they have to be an expert at everything. They won't apply to a job because I don't have all the minimum quals or just like we talked about coding, I have to be an expert in JavaScript, which is hard to be, <laughs> uh, before I'll even start you know, writing some simple code. Mm-hmm. Or a natural genius is somebody who feels like things should come naturally for me, and if, it, if it's a little bit hard, then you know, I, I'm just a failure. The soloist feels like uh, they need to be able to do everything on their own. And anything that I can't do on my own, and I think this is probably true in the world of programming, Mm -hmm. probably people feel like I should be able to do this on my own. Mm -hmm. And if they can't and they do need help, then they feel like that's a sign of their incompetence. And then uh, finally, you have the... Superhuman? The superhuman, yes. She called it the Superman, Superwoman, but I just condensed it (laughs) to superhuman. And this kind of person tries to deal with the fact that they feel incompetent by just working really hard. Mm-hmm. Maybe no one will notice if I just keep working really hard. And so they work around the clock and, and they work themselves pretty much to death where they don't have to. Yeah. I was thinking I fit somewhere, I would guess, between natural genius and soloist. I'd, I'd say where my experience is that in general, things come easy to me. I mean, I work very hard to learn things. I don't, I don't get super upset when they don't work out. But like, it's more that there's a... I have a sneaking suspicion that things will stop working out easy for me. And like, that's, that's always my, my worry is that like, I've been doing well so far and then one day it's all going to end. <laughs> I won't be able to do it anymore. So that's like, it still feels like imposter syndrome. It still feels like, like, you know, like luck, I think is what you, right. you talked about it in, in one of your later on slides, but like, yeah, it feels to me like it can be luck sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely feel like the soloist is something that can be easy to fall into because it's trying to find that that point where do I just work harder to to figure it out or does it make sense to reach out to someone and who do you reach out to? And, and mm-hmm. I feel like for myself, there's there's so many reasons just to try and keep going. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's hard for me to, to break out of that cycle and... and just reach out for someone. Yeah, I don't want to bother them. Yeah. They're, so, they're so smart and busy doing important things. Yeah. 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 And some people feel like if I reach out to them, then they'll think worse of me and I don't <laughs> want that to happen. They'll think I'm not capable. And yeah. it's not that I'm not, I just don't know those things. So, oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like we were a remote company uh, at SiteBen and that's one of the things where we're like, well, there's a lot of people that want to help, like, especially as we get new employees, like there's a lot of people that want to help them. But like we need them to ask and like trying to build that that trust relationship is like something that we're working on hmm. like super hard because yeah having those relationships where you're, where you feel comfortable with the person to where asking a, a question doesn't make them think that you're stupid or yeah. make you feel uncomfortable it's it's right. takes a, a bit of effort on the front end to kind of build those relationships so that when those situations arrive you can ask and reach out and feel comfortable. I think FaceTime is definitely important oh, for that. Yeah. You know, yeah, I would love to be completely remote, but yes, <laughs> it's just nothing like, I mean, I just think as humans, we need that kind of interaction. Mm-hmm. And so um, being together in the same space builds that trust. Yeah. Like for, for me, I learned JavaScript, like someone taught me JavaScript that I did not realize was as big of a deal as they were mm-hmm. when I was, cause I was fairly young and the internet, like this was, you know, 2005 maybe. Um, 
I didn't know that they were like a big deal, and I just bugged them and got them to teach me JavaScript. <laughs> <laughs> See, and people want to be helpful. They want to be helpful just for sure. Have, to have somebody reach out to you. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's 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 kind of weird, but like that we were talking with someone earlier about just like a fear of being ashamed, mm-hmm. and it's almost like being willing to be vulnerable and like someone that you don't particularly like sort in and so sort of way like being willing to be the person that is uh, a little annoying uh, it's almost a good thing to do and i think that goes back to what you were saying where what would if someone else was acting this way towards us how would we view them right i, I think that's a good way to look at it yeah we've uh solved all of our insecurities <laughs> <laughs> well i think it's a it's a process and uh, and breaking this uh, this loop that some people have is is going to take some work yeah Cool. Thanks a lot for talking to us. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Bye. We are back with another episode of TalkScript. I'm Neil Roberts. I'm here with a special guest. Hi, I'm Susie Grange. I lead the front-end engineering team at a company called Maven Clinic in New York City. And we are leading digital health platform focused on women's and their families' health. Cool. And you helped one of your friends sort of get into coding from almost scratch. Is that yeah. right? That's kind of the gist of your talk? Yeah, pretty much last summer, a friend of mine who previously worked in construction, so literally, you know, swinging off skyscrapers in New York City, mm-hmm. uh, decided that he wanted to learn to code and that doing a boot camp would be the path he wanted to take. So I figured I'd try and help him out with that. But yeah, for me, being someone that learned how to code over a very long, drawn-out path, mm-hmm. you know, I kind of started when I was, I guess, 14, 15, and the internet was a very different time then. Mm-hmm. It's definitely kind of an eye-opening process in terms of all the stuff you have to know in order to be a junior engineer right mm-hmm. now, and even to get into a boot camp, all the stuff you have to know. So I kind of helped him along that path a bit and definitely learned a lot about how big the gap is between what I had to know when I started out, which mm-hmm. was kind of HTML and CSS mm-hmm. and some GIFs, and that was it, and what he had to learn, which was just everything from frameworks to webpacks to <laughs> yeah. just all of this crazy stuff that it takes to exist in 2019 to now. Yeah. Yeah, to even get a job. It's it's crazy. And you're self-taught? Yeah. So I basically taught myself how to I mean, I say code, but when I first started it wasn't really that. It was essentially dragging and dropping things to create a website mm-hmm. using I think Microsoft Publisher at the time, which I basically did because I had a band and I decided that my band clearly needed a website in yeah. order to be successful, right? Of my dad was always very into internet and technologies when I was younger, mm, cool. so I was like using the internet fairly young. You know, I got an email address when I was 12, which was a long time ago. I'm not mm. giving my age, it was a long time ago. Mm. I think I knew one other person in the world that had an email address, and mm-hmm. they were in, they were like a friend of a friend in Luxembourg, I think, and mm-hmm. we emailed each other, and that was such a novelty because great. we didn't know what it was. <laughs> so yeah, I was always kind of like a little bit early on the internet things, and I'd been using the web a little bit and decided that a website was a clean and important thing, so... I decided to teach myself. How'd you get from messing around in MySpace to a job? <laughs> that was a very long story. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, so as I kind of talked about in my talk, like, I was definitely, you know, music was the path I wanted to take. I wanted to be in bands. Mm. I did a degree in music technology and then kind of graduated and realized there weren't really many jobs in music technology. So, yeah, I kind of, long story short, eventually, after trying a few other career paths, 
found out about this startup thing going on in the US and mm-hmm. decided maybe if I learned to code, then I could, you know, do a startup, which sounded really fun. <laughs> so I pretty much just untaught myself some of the horrible habits that I learned when I was first starting, because obviously like frames were a thing when mm-hmm. I was doing this when I was a teenager. And they oh, my, my teenager website's thing. still up, actually. Nice. It's, it's fun to look at. <laughs> oh, I wish mine still was, but sadly, sadly, those days are gone. So yeah, all those coding mistakes of the past are thankfully gone and lost to history. But did, I you, much kind of, did you use books or websites or what, what, do you remember what you I kind of did? It was honestly just like hacking things mm-hmm. and seeing what worked and seeing what didn't work. Um, I know I got a giant book on Ruby when I tried to mm-hmm. learn Ruby. As far as kind of HTML and CSS stuff, it was a lot of trial and error, quite honestly, and just like looking online and poking around at other people's code and copying and pasting things and yeah. editing them until they worked, until I knew how to just write things without just copying and pasting things. And then, yeah, I got a job at an agency. And this guy called Paul Evans very kindly gave me a job after I kind of badgered him on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, he helped me learn some more things. I discovered what it was like to work as a professional developer and learned some more things. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I think books was like a very small part of it, but it was mainly just kind of online. Trial and error. Things, yeah. Seeing how it worked. Yeah, that's it's a, a very long path. It's a fun way to learn stuff. It's fun, but it's not the most efficient <laughs> way, you know. <laughs> yeah, like that's you know that's earlier on in life you have like that that fun luxury to tinker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Just, that's true. It's an yeah, and I was definitely very lucky to have that. I was yeah. lucky to have like mm-hmm. a father who was into technology and yeah. like I had access to a computer Same, and yeah. I had a thing that I could make websites with and that kind of thing, which I know not everyone has. So mm-hmm. I was definitely very fortunate in that respect. Cool. Yeah, like you said, one of the first things you said is like you'll never learn everything. Mm-hmm. Like you'll never know everything. <laughs> I think. No. It's a good thing to keep in mind when you're talking about like people that are starting to learn because like we're gonna have to keep on learning for a while after. Oh now yeah, forever. As well. I mean, it's not one of those jobs where you can get into it and learn some stuff and that's it. You're qualified and you know mm-hmm. all the things. Like you're just gonna be learning forever. And yeah, I think when my friend was learning, he hadn't realized like quite how this was gonna be. This just lifelong thing that you're gonna have to keep learning oh, yeah. and things are going to change on like a weekly, daily basis sometimes. Mm-hmm. And you've got to be excited about it. You've got to want to keep up. Otherwise, it's going to run all over you. Yeah, I think it was a, a good reminder as well that like people get into software for all sorts of different reasons mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, I think that, that sometimes people forget that. And a lot of it's like for really cool reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I think particularly like front end as well. Like I've heard so many different ways mm-hmm. that people have gotten into this and a lot of people did get into it kind of by accident and yep. hadn't really planned on being a developer, but just started tinkering and like, whoops, guess I'm a developer yeah. now. So this is pretty common. Yeah. Like, so your friend starts learning to program and then from there, like you, you described how much there is to know as like a game of like what we would call connect the dots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I thought was really good. And it's almost, it does kind of explain like how there are some some basic things that we can learn. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, HTML, CSS, you can kind of learn those. Well, you, you, know, you have to learn HTML first. Yeah. Right? I mean, technically you could still put a web page online and it just be HTML yeah. and CSS. There's nothing stopping you doing that. Yeah. But, but it's almost like... for getting a job is way beyond that right now. Yeah, because it's, you know, the, all the productivity gains we've made over the years. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not just writing CSS, you're writing CSS with variables and that can be compiled together with other ones. Like, yeah. there's all, this, all the productivity gains that we, both of us, since we started programming, all the productivity gains that have happened, we've sort of encountered them bit by bit over yeah, time. we just absorb them gradually because they've just come along. We've known the basics, and mm-hmm. it's just like it's another thing to add to your arsenal. But... And it's like a huge ask for someone coming in to know all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I don't, like, there's been, you know, a lot of discussion about privilege and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's almost, it's almost that sort of thing where, like, it's just when you got involved 
can be very very lucky yeah completely when and how and like what support you had around you as well and do you have time to do it but that's time for boot camp or that's time to teach yourself and that's not something that everyone has unfortunately the one thing that made me that i was thinking about as you're talking is that i do think that there are still some developers that you know started when it was just copying pasting html mm-hmm. and some css that still try to tell people like oh you should get into coding it's really easy mm-hmm. and like i was like how much of a disservice is it to tell people that coding the way that it is right now is just easy yeah and it's completely not and that's i mean not that i thought it was super easy when mm. you know my friend yeah. said he was going to learn to code mm. but yeah it really kind of stunned me just how much stuff yeah. has i don't think about it yeah I learn. you just take it for granted well that's what useful about your talk is just saying like you might not realize mm. all the things that you just picked up over time someone has to learn those from scratch mm. <laughs> and every day year month like more things are being added on to that list of stuff as like as you say we add more things to make ourselves more productive and mm-hmm. make things better but that just means it's more things stacking on top of the list of the things you have to even if not know in depth have some idea of when you're getting started so that you can get hired to companies that use all these things yeah like the namesake of your talk was like even using the terminal, mm-hmm. you wouldn't think like that's something that you have to learn. No, and like my friend, like he started out with Code Academy, mm-hmm. which like seems like a really great easy way to start coding because you're just typing things in a browser, you're typing it on one side, and it's running it on the next side, and that's great. But there's this huge disconnect for him. Like he said to me yesterday, like yeah, I like forgot, I didn't know that like programs are just kind of these text files. <laughs> yeah, like he didn't know how to sort of translate this like in browser thing that he'd been using and like writing algorithms and like he got pretty good at just like mm-hmm. writing some coding stuff, but. He didn't know what it was to actually run a program and that you could just create this little text file and tell your terminal what to run this text file with and it would run it as a program. That was just like such a huge thing that I just not really thought about particularly. Well, yeah, trying to you... explain all these things yeah. to him without being, you know, giving him just too much information and overwhelming him. Like there's just so much you could tell someone, but how do you tell them in little sort of bite-sized chunks that yeah. make sense without skipping over things, without it being super overwhelming? Yeah, because some of it's easy, right? Quote-unquote easy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, like, you know, the terminal is you type in the name of a program or you type execute and then you, like, link to a text file or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's easy, but, like, that's but still like, something... What shell are you using? Like, is the bash shell? Yeah. But then you've got these other things you can run in? And, like, how do you sort of explain this without going down that rabbit hole? And, just... and like, it's something you just, you know, you might forget that that's something that isn't... It's not just, like, something you're born with, mm-hmm. right? Even if Even if it's quote-unquote easy it's still something that you need to learn mm-hmm. it's another bit of the, of the puzzle that that you take for granted that we don't necessarily think of as taking for granted it is very hard for someone without taking a ton of time mm-hmm. to get all the way up to speed with what a lot of engineering jobs require mm-hmm. is some of it the company's job to mentor the junior engineers to get them to the point where they can get up to where they need to be outside of that the bootcamp education or the more yeah. self-taught education? I mean, to me, this just definitely falls on companies. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone wants to hire senior engineers and they're <laughs> confused as to why there are no senior engineers out there. Mm-hmm. Everyone wants to hire more diverse white workforce and they're confused as to why they're not having that. I mean, boot camps are definitely way more diverse in terms of the folks that do them than you know traditional computer science routes and everything else. But there aren't enough jobs out there to get this cohort of really excited, really motivated and way more diverse people into the workforce because companies don't know how to train them. And like, I don't know what the solution is. I wish I did. But, you know, big companies, obviously, they can do apprenticeships and training programs. Mm. But competition for those is so huge. And other companies just they can't get the buy in almost to get junior people because it's not going to immediately 
increase productivity by 2x hiring this new person. It's <laughs> going to lower yeah. them down a bit. Yeah. But also, you know, it will benefit the quote-unquote senior engineers and training people. It will help give back the community and obviously help elevate these folks that have just graduated or whatever their path yeah. has been to be better engineers. I was thinking about, like, when you like in a lot of other skilled professions, like if you're a doctor... Yeah, you go, you go and be a trainee for yeah, X years. Like, that's exactly. just the thing that you have to do, but there's not really that set path for engineers right now. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're lucky, you'll get a junior job, but most people, I definitely know people that got kind of graduated and then went straight into just a quote-unquote mid-level, not even junior mm-hmm. position because the company almost didn't want to label it junior because if they labeled it junior, then they'd have to provide more support than they could. Yeah. And it's hard because obviously if you're working at any company and you're an engineer, you've got your work that you've got to do and, you know, having to sacrifice, quote unquote, some of your work to help someone else, that's that's kind of hard. But we're not going to solve this kind of pipeline problem of getting more folks in the industry if we're not investing in mentoring people and figuring out how to get people from, okay, they've just come out of school, they've come out of boot camp or they're self-taught. How do we make them into, you know, fully-fledged engineers versus just folks that, like, have this good grounding but have never, like, worked in a company before, for yeah. example? So it makes me think that, like, I kind of touched on earlier, but a lot of what we're seeing is, like, these massive productivity gains mm-hmm. and that a lot of companies want all that productivity, all the, the gains that they get from that, but they're not willing to, to treat the job in a way that, for what it's worth. Saying, like, I'm not just hiring this person, I'm hiring this person and all the productivity gains we've had. Mm-hmm. That's where it requires them treating that job like it's like a skilled profession. I mean, it is a skilled profession. It's hard because, like, in other you know, skilled professions, if you want to be a lawyer or you want to be a doctor, you have these checkpoints you go mm-hmm. through and you get qualifications and, you know, your X level of doctor or lawyer or whatever these other things are. Whereas, you know, in software development, what a senior engineer is is different in every single company. Or even a junior engineer. It's like I've seen junior job postings with like, you know, two years experience as junior. And then I've mm-hmm. seen senior postings with like three years as senior. And it's how how do we kind of balance those things out? I mean, I can't see we're going to get to a point where we standardize what this title means across different companies. Yeah. Because you know, every company is different. Every tech stack's different. All that sort of stuff. But it's very hard to know kind of where you're at almost. And as a junior engineer, like what your career path is. Because it just varies so much from place to place. Yeah. So yeah, the, the the last thing I kind of wanted to touch on is like that, that it does require resiliency. Mm-hmm. I think that we're talking about things that they they leave out of discussions about what it means to be a software engineer, and it, like it does require resiliency. <laughs> yeah, and this quick style of like I was saying, yeah, you, know, you go to boot camp, you get a job, that's it. You're an engineer. Like it's not as simple as that. You're mm-hmm. always going to be learning. There's always going to be new stuff and. You kind of you don't have to be excited about everything that comes out. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong, but you know if you're out of the workforce for a year or two and you come back, you'll suddenly you've got to just study to get back up to the level of just being, you know, a standard employee again, which is nuts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. The... Like you know, my friend he also did like video editing and things like that, and he was thinking kind of okay, so like I taught myself After Effects for example, mm-hmm. like I knew nothing, and then I learned this program, and then I could edit video. But you know, coding's not just like learning a program and learning to use it. It's, it's it's huge you know if you like i'm pretty good at photoshop because i worked as a retoucher for a while and obviously when you're learning it's hard then you get to a certain point and you kind of know what all the menu items are and you know what all the tools are and you you know obviously your skills can get better but like the tools are fairly set you know there's 
the tool for selecting something as a tool for you know clone stamping something like those things are there they're not going to change within the mm. next release of photoshop whereas you know with coding things can just change within a year or two years you know i can <laughs> yeah. go back to the latest version of photoshop and still for the most part know how it works and mm. things won't have changed so drastically but you know if i were to stop being an engineer for a few years and come back i have no doubt that everything would be completely different i did that it was scary <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, and like the other kind of the thing, last thing you touched on is that one of the reasons companies should offer things like mentorship is that you found out that helping was incredibly beneficial, like yeah, for you. Totally. And I had no idea. I mean, I was the only front end person in my company for the majority mm. of my history to this point. So I'd never really had that thing of having to teach someone else. So I'd always just kind of been the engineer or been, you know, sort of mid level engineer at other companies because I just jumped straight in there. Yeah. So yeah, it was definitely pretty eye opening having to kind of explain this stuff and like things doing, that you think like, you know until you start yeah. explaining to someone else. You're like, oh yeah, like maybe I need to think about this a bit more. Like I know sort of what it does, but do I know really the depth of why? Even though it's a thing I use every day. Well, it's cool. Like you did like kind of an assessment of like, mm. I actually know all of this stuff. Like yeah. it actually it feels good to be able to help someone by actually understanding what you know and being able to communicate that stuff you know to them yeah and like I said it's great for imposter syndrome because yeah. like yeah it's like I'm not an imposter I'm pretty sure I knew all this stuff but <laughs> it wasn't really until I was explaining someone that was super genuine and didn't know all this stuff that I was like oh actually yeah okay maybe I do know these things that, that's great <laughs> that was great yeah yeah so in summary teach people to code teach people to code hire people <laughs> who know how to code and they come out of boot camp or school because they're great and you will benefit and your company will benefit from hiring them sounds great yeah thanks a lot for chatting cool thank you so much we got a good thing going on bah, bah, bah.